Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. On them niggas, cuz that's crazy. Damn. Oh, it goes down in Compton. Oh, they just got bust off. That nigga on a knee. Damn. Police just got aired out, nigga. They just got bust on, nigga. They just got aired out. They just got aired out, nigga. It's going up. Somebody bust on their ass. Somebody bust on the police, nigga. Damn, nigga. Oh. Oh, two sheriffs shot in the face. Two sheriffs shot in the face. They tripping. It's going up in Compton. Niggas bust on the police, nigga. Nigga. They just got aired out. Somebody ran up on the car and bust on their ass. Right through the window, in the face and all, nigga. It's a wrap. And this is America in 2019. While the media calls it peaceful, we call it the violent left. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protest is supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, if that was... When they go low, he kills. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? He said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. The country is white men, most of them radicalized, right, to the right. 
hole punches are not equal morally. And this is Flyover Politic Podcast. We're going straight in. That, my friends, is brought to you by Barack Hussein Obama and the Democratic Party. By now you probably know, but if you don't, two cops just sitting in the car, dude walks up and airs that beep word out. And what did our media do? They ignored it. They ignored it. Going a day early because I, no, can't, can't, I can't do this. This, this is, this is not America. This is not who we are. But when you have all the rhetoric, as you heard in our new bumper from TV and Democrats, who are always talking about Trump's rhetoric and how dangerous it is for society. And you spend all day saying everybody's racist. Every cop needs to be killed. When you don't report AB, what is it, CD or whatever the fuck, the dead cop thing, kill all white people. When you don't report that it's violent and it's peaceful. When you bury all this stuff and you go after Trump rhetoric, and say he's the reason that somebody shot up a baseball field full of Republicans, and it's his rancor why people are getting beat. I mean, I took two podcasts off to just a little bit. They can't do it. They were cheering as a woman was bleeding out her face, putting a tourniquet on her brother who got shot in the temple. And the only thing that saved those two people is the simple fact that the guy didn't know how to shoot. He shot like a gangster. It's on video. Jeff and Norco. There's something wrong with their society when people like this stand by casually as humans nearby cling to life. All the while, the videographer would rather say, damn, it got aired out than save a life. L.A. County deputies. It was a Twitter moment. Then they took it away. Los Angeles Sheriff's Department says two deputies are fighting for the lives after sustaining multiple gunshot wounds in Compton. $100,000 reward has been offered for information leads to the arrest. Marcus, when will the media attack those responsible for creating an atmosphere where all police are the enemy, pushing the stories and headlines that make them out to be killers while burying the key details and driving a deadly narrative? This is what happens. They're driving this. ABC Local. Two LASD deputies, one male, one female, were ambushed as they sat in the patrol vehicle. The department said both are in critical condition. Larry Elder goes out and says, Thanks, Black Lives Matter, Barack Obama, DNC, CNN, MSNBC, The Reval, condescending woke media, condescending woke academia, and condescending woke Hollywood for pushing the lie that cops kill blacks just because they're black. This is the result. Are you happy? Here's him with one of his radio show guests. If he thinks it's going to ruin my day, well, just keep on going and uh, Larry will keep on stepping. The The reason I'm responding to this is not because I feel I can convince that guy of anything. He's, he's probably too, too far gone. But there are people who are listening who are kind of on the bubble. 
And really, when I say that the police are not killing black people just because they're black, you're really not quite sure. You just turned to the show a little bit. You didn't hear all of it. You've heard some things that counter it. You're not quite sure. So I'm talking to you, not to that, not to that moron. Recent years, the police have killed an average of 1,000 people a year. This is a population of 350 million Americans. Some 40 million are black. I've heard the number 35, 35, 32. It's round in there. Okay? In the last 60 years, according to the Center for Disease Control, the rate at which the police have killed, shot and killed blacks has declined 75%. Last year, near as we can figure it out, there were 25 unarmed black people killed. Not just shot and killed, but killed by many other ways. 25. At least as many unarmed whites have been killed by the police as unarmed blacks. Where's the outcry? Of all the police, of all the people the police kill, less than 4% are a white cop killing unarmed black person. And again, an unarmed person does not necessarily mean not dangerous. Michael Brown was unarmed, was perceived reasonably as dangerous. His DNA was found on the officer's gun. And for example, when that immigrant was killed in New York some years ago, Amadou Diallo, uh, he was cornered. The police had a uh, suspect who looked like him. They had the wrong guy, but they asked him to show his hands, and he reached into his wallet, uh, apparently to pull out his, reached into his pocket to pull out his wallet. The police thought he was going for a firearm, blew him away. Hillary pronounced the people who killed him murderers publicly, then later on apologized because there hadn't been a trial yet, hadn't been one word of testimony yet. And all of them were found not guilty by a multi-ethnic jury. So just because you are unarmed does not necessarily mean that you were not reasonably perceived as dangerous. So when you get down to those who were one who were unarmed and were not reasonably perceived as dangerous, you're talking about a tiny, tiny fraction. Even less than the 4% of all the people that are killed by the police. Now, when the gentleman says, well, there are far more uh, white people than there are black people, and, and therefore I, I'm not quite even sure what, he, what he's talking about. It is true that the police are two and a half times more likely to kill a black person than a white person. It's also true, unfortunately, that a young black male is anywhere from eight to ten times more likely to be a victim of a homicide than a young white male. That's why the cops are there. You go where the ducks are. Now, it turns out that of all the homicides in this country, 50% of them are black victims. And 94% of these black victims were likely killed by other blacks. We say likely because some of these are unsolved, like in Chicago, where 75% of the homicides are unsolved. These are gang-related homicides. Not very likely that a white general did it, I'm just saying. And you look at cities like L.A., like New York, where the police departments, the, the staff, reflects the demographics of the city. I'm in L.A., L.A. is 40% Hispanic, as is the LAPD. L.A. is 30% Asian, uh, black, uh, Asian rather, as is um, white, rather, as is the LAPD. It's about 9% or so uh, Asian, excuse me, black, as is the LAPD. And the remaining are, are Pacific Islanders or Asian Americans, as is um, Los Angeles. I mean, honestly, and I think I told you from 1992 to 2002, we had back-to-back black police chiefs. And one of them was a chief during the O.J. Simpson case. And because of the allegations that uh, all these racist uh, members of the LAPD had fabricated evidence to convict an innocent man, uh, Willie Williams, the then LAPD chief, the black man, as I mentioned, uh, did a full study to find out whether anybody had done anything inappropriate with respect to the O.J. Simpson case. And he found out nobody did. Put out a report. Nobody cared. 
I thought the whole point in having a black police chief was so that you'd have some sort of sense of trust that things are going to be done properly, that he's going to be at least sympathetic to black people. So here he is, new guy, uh, first black police chief, LAPD, does a study, nobody cares. The same black people who believe that O.J. Simpson was an innocent man framed by the racist LAPD continue believing that O.J. Simpson was an innocent man framed by the racist LAPD. It didn't matter. Black Lives Matter was formed because of the acquittal of George uh, Zimmerman, who killed Trayvon Martin. Well, there was a black alternate. He didn't serve on the jury, but he was a black alternate. And he said that had he been on the jury, he would have reached the same conclusion. Uh, and those jurors who did speak before the public said that race never came up. Now, the next incident that gave Black Lives Matter a lot of juice was Ferguson. Ferguson was a lie. Michael Brown did not have his hands up, did not say don't shoot. And here you have this, this uh, uh, organization getting all sorts of credibility because of this. Are you kidding me? In comes the DOJ under Obama. They do a study. The Ferguson PD is racist. Why? Well, 65% of the residents of Ferguson are are black, but 85% of those who are stopped in traffic stops are black. Therefore, 18% gap ergo racism. Really? NYPD. 55% of those stopped in traffic stops are black. New York, 25% black. 30-point gap. Why isn't that uh, a bigger example of racism than Ferguson? Can't do it by that. You have to do it by whether or not the driver is offending. What the fuck? And then, once again, this was not national news. This wasn't a big deal. LAPDHQ, we stand with the brothers and sisters of the LASDHQ tonight. The thoughts and prayers of men and women of the LAPD are with the two deputies that were ambushed while sitting in their vehicle. Right next to a train station. The first person I saw this was James Wood. He sent it, and the Larry Elder. County sheriffs, again, moments ago, two of our sheriff divisions are shot in Compton, transported to the local hospital. They're both still fighting for their lives, so keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Update, one male deputy, one female were ambushed. They sat in the patrol vehicle, both sustained multiple gunshot wounds, critical condition. They're both currently undergoing surgery. The gunman walked up on the deputies and opened fire without warning or provocation. Villain away uh, to discuss ambush shooting of two LA sheriffs, and this is how it sounded. ...from the crime lab, crime analysts. We have people from our, our high-tech task force to canvas and dissect any video that might be recovered. And uh, there are members of CAPOS, the Crimes Against Peace Officers section from the L.A. District Attorney's Office on scene as well at the command post. Keep in mind this is all very fresh for us. I did about a 10-minute walkthrough of the scene before I came over here to give you a very, a very quick briefing here. So we're just getting into this. Uh, I encourage anybody who witnessed this or has information related to this incident to call us at Sheriff's Homicide Bureau at 323-890-5500. Thank you. At this point, yes, both deputies are still alive. I'm aware of that video. That video is one of hopefully many uh, that was captured by one of the MTA cameras just uh, south of the shooting scene. And uh, I, I believe that was released early on before I even saw it. It hit the news. So, can, can you talk about what you get from that video? Because it looks like the clear video that I saw shows a pretty, I mean, pretty accurate depiction. And I mean, do you have any idea? 
can tell you at this point, we have a very, very uh, generic suspect description of a dark-skinned male. And that came from one of the deputies, one of the victims. So that's what I have right now. Um, that interview was very brief, as you can imagine. He's being treated. So that's what we have right now. That video, you have to remember, that's from a fisheye lens. It's distorted. Height and weight are going to be deceiving. Uh, so I, I'd rather go from the eyewitness at this point, uh, from the deputy sheriff. Again, it's all preliminary, and, and we hope to have more soon. Are both deputies, are they alert and awake? Are they both alert and awake? I don't know. I just got here. I haven't talked to them. Okay. I do know that they're still alive. Okay. My name is Mike Gibson. I'm the state assembly member that represents and oversees the city of Compton. I would just simply ask that if you know something, say something. Um, we're praying for the both officers. Uh, we're praying for their families, and we're hoping to now receive good news, but also a speedy recovery. So again, if you know something, if you were there, we're asking you to please call the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and please share with what you know. It's important. Thank you. I'm Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer. I'm the Chair of Public Safety for the State of California. Uh, first and foremost, just like my colleague, I'm praying. And we all should be praying for the officers involved and their families. This was an unprovoked, cowardly act. The individual will be caught, and justice will prevail. Our society must not tolerate such acts of violence. My respect to the members of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department and the men and women in law enforcement who make up, make up our daily lives, knowing that the risks that they take to secure our, our lives and safety. Tonight, we must, as a community, condemn the actions of the perpetrators, but most importantly, we must all come together, pray together for these officers, because they are heroes. They are heroes of the, of the first and foremost that all of us would like to be. We must pray for them because Sunday's coming. We must pray for them so that they have a speedy recovery and hopefully get back to the duties that they presently have. Thank you very much. Well, they're both suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. Uh, they're out of surgery right now, so we're going to keep them in our thoughts and prayers. One is a 31-year-old mother of a, of a six-year-old boy. Her uh, husband is here with them. The other one is a 24-year-old. And uh, parents are here. Girlfriend is here. They're both out of class 437, so they just graduated. And in fact, I swore them into office just 14 months ago. These are real people doing a tough job, and uh, it just shows uh, just the dangers of this job in the blink of an eye. Sheriff, you mentioned it earlier, but do you believe that this is the new climate for law enforcement officers, that uh, these type of things in the world that we live in today can happen at any moment? It, uh, it seems to be part of a trend, uh, a growing trend with uh, suspects open fire, unprovoked, in exchange, we're trying to arrest somebody or just happened in a search warrant earlier this week where uh, the suspect who was a, the subject of the search warrant opened fire on deputies. And uh, across the nation, roughly once a week, 
an officer is felled by uh, by the felonious acts of another person, every week across the nation, someone is losing their life in the line of duty. So this is just another grim reminder of that. Now, Sheriff, and I don't Captain, but we've been told that you might have a license plate of a getaway vehicle and that, you know, your airships were doing a lot of orbiting and, and I don't know if you don't have anything like that. Are you, I mean, do you have any narrow down? Not at this point. Yeah, too early. Too early. Well, as Assemblymember uh, Reggie Jones-Sawyer said, that was a cowardly act. Uh, the two deputies were doing their job, minding their own business, uh, watching out for the safety of the people on the train, and seeing somebody just walk up and just start shooting on them. It, it's, uh, it pisses me off. It dismays me at the same time, and I, there's no prettier way to say it. Sir, how did the call come in? How's that? How did the call for help come in? Well, I believe the the injured deputies themselves initiated radio traffic. So they were so they were both alert when they got to the hospital. Yes. And then um, this is a peer, and I know guys in the preliminary, but I have to ask: Does it appear that this was delivered in the sense that it's calculated, or do you think it was a spontaneous action? That's way too early to have that that information. Yes, they were transported by other deputies via the radio car. What can you do now, Sheriff, to... I mean, what kind of alert now we're all clear to those your deputies have as a result of this? I mean, are you guys going to go and need any kind of a tactical alert or any kind of alert now with all the deputies? And if, if now these are racing hacks where they're just shooting As you can tell, we're stretched. Uh... Hold on a sec. We have uh, we have the civil unrest of protests in South LA. We have the Bobcat fire. We have um, situation downtown LA. We have a lot of different things going on at the same time. Our patrol deputies are working some very long hours these days, and uh, this is just going to add to the things to be on alert for and start a buddy system, watching over each other's back. Well, I express my condolences to all of them. I offer my full support of the department. We were behind them, and... Uh, we're just going to keep them in our praise, and hopefully they can uh, they can all, both heal from this. So the prognosis is good? I'm not going to, uh, not liberty to say that. That'll be up to the medical staff. They were both shot with mul multiple gunshot wounds. Only what Captain Wagner offered, that's, that's the best that we can do right now. Dark-skinned male. Uh, that uh, they were shot multiple times. I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
About early. four hours at the earliest. Back here? That's to be determined. Yeah. Sheriff, have you actually seen the video? Yes. I mean, it seems that it's all that happened in two seconds. And I'm just wondering if it strikes you odd that that many shots would be fired that quickly. You can get a lot of rounds off in two seconds. Don't, too early to tell that. Don't have that yet. All right, well, thank you all. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you, thank you Captain. Thank you. That goes on for 30 minutes. He's a great person. He's a community leader. The only network that covered it was ABC. But briefly. Now to the breaking news overnight. Two Los Angeles County Sheriff's officers critically wounded in an ambush shot point blank through their patrol car window. ABC's Zareen Shaw joins us from Los Angeles with more. Good morning, Zareen. Good morning, Eva. This morning, the suspect who ambushed two Los Angeles deputies in Compton last night is still on the run. Surveillance video shows a man dressed in black walking to their deputy car, holding out a gun, shooting multiple times, and then running off. The deputies were parked, sitting inside their vehicle in what appeared to be a well-lit area near the Compton Metro Station, very close to their own sheriff's station. They were alert enough right after the shooting to radio in their own help. Their department tweeting, they are both still fighting for their lives and in critical condition. Those deputies were identified as a 31-year-old mother of a 6-year-old and a 24-year-old man. They were both just sworn in 14 months ago, according to the sheriff. Now, the president has tweeted about the incident, and the FBI is also now offering its help with finding the suspect. Whit. An alarming story. All right, Zareen, thank you. This attack is the latest after a summer of confrontations between police and protesters. President Trump weighing in on Twitter saying the shooter is an animal that must be hit hard. And last night, uh, there was a small protest at the hospital where the sheriff's department says they arrested several protesters who were blocking the entrance of the hospital and shouting death to police. Willie, back to you. That was early in the morning. Then it dropped off the radar. Can't make it look bad. Joe Biden, um, th- this is his statement. It's the first statement he's made after five months of killing and maiming and murdering. The cold-blooded shooting is unconscionable and the perpetrator must be brought to justice. Violence of any kind is wrong. Those who committed should be caught and punished. Jill and I are keeping the deputies and our loved ones in our hearts and prayers. Yeah, I'm sure you are. You built this, dick. You and your party in your fucking manifesto built it. Built it. And then the the next thing the media got upset about, because they weren't really upset about this, but they were upset about a reporter, Scott Schwebeck, ABC7 showing video of a radio reporter being taken down on the pavement by officers, handcuffed and led to patrol call outside the hospital where two sheriff deputies are ambushed and being treated. So, Stoltz, frankly, has been told Josie allegedly obstructed justice with anyone who knows her will find extremely hard to believe. She's an award-winning, thoughtful journalist who's been covering the protests for months. L.A. County Sheriff's, why are you arresting journalists? Megan Garvey, this is our terrific reporter, Josie Huang, who's been covering the story for hours. L.A. County Sheriff, L.A. Day, where is Josie? Why are reporters being arrested? Where can I go get her? I'm heading to Linwood, where I sincerely hope... They will release Josie Huang immediately. She's a fair-minded reporter respected by everyone who knows her work. She doesn't even have her phone or wallet with her. Massive thanks to AB77 for picking it up 
off the ground and it sounded like this this video uh we saw deputies take down a reporter you can hear her yelling she's actually a radio reporter she had rushed up to the scene there to see what was going on when the first uh round of cruisers and patrol cars that arrived at scene the deputies tackling her and throwing her into a police car i'm uh, not sure exactly why or what happened there but the massive response here at the scene was because a handful of protesters showed up here uh in opposition to what president trump had tweeted also uh in support of uh black accounts i read online she was trying to go in the hospital with the protesters. They told her to beat it. She didn't. Just didn't beat it. She's part of it. Uh, after deputies issued a dispersal order for the unlawful assembly, a group of protesters blocking the hospital, a male adult protester refused to comply. LA County Sheriff tweeted explaining why Huang was detained during his arrest, a struggling suit, at which time a female adult ran towards the deputies ignored repeated commands to stay back as they struggled with the male and interfered with the arrest. The female adult, who was later identified as a member of the press, did not identify herself as a press and later admitted she did not have proper press credentials on her person. Both have been arrested for 148 PC. She just got caught up. I mean, it's it's the same team. They're our team. They're good people. They're all good people. Trump says there's good people on each side. He's a fucking piece of shit that did the massacre in Pittsburgh synagogue. Media Democrats, these people are peaceful protesters. Nobody holds them accountable. Said it during the May riots, specifically CNN and MSDNC were part. They were directing traffic. And then you have Jose Omatello, the city manager of Linwood, posted on his Instagram, the chickens come home to roof, roost. Follow the ambush shooting of one cop who's 31, a mom of a young boy, and a 24-year-old male. Chickens come home to roost. The shooting of anyone is wholly unacceptable in current society. Did not occur that type of violence seen in the shooting of the deputies yesterday in Compton. I will say that communities like Compton have been plagued by deputies gangs that inflict fear and violence in the communities. These deputies murder, framed, and attack people of color. Democrats built it. They built it. This is what the Democrats wanted. I mean, this whole thing is like writing on a wall. You knew it was going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So as we go to our first break, and then we come into our next bullshit story, I have never seen a journalist or pundit or whatever you want to call Tucker Carlson go out on a limb like this. This segment was shocking because it's what we all think. And with Media Matters, the Democrats, and the rest of the media trying to get him off air, I'm surprised he did this. But good on him for doing it. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Sometimes 
a news event occurs, a story unfolds that is fascinating in its details, but also crystallizes something that's happening in a lot of places across the country. We want to spend a few minutes opening tonight telling you about what happened over the weekend in Compton, in Los Angeles, California. Two police officers were shot Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Young officers both shot in the head. Fox's LA Bill Malugin has been on this story in all of its details all weekend. He's going to set the frame for us as we begin tonight. Bill? Tucker, good evening to you. We are in front of the hospital where both of those deputies are still being treated this evening. And quite frankly, if we're being honest, this is an absolute miracle that either of them are still alive tonight. As you mentioned, both of them were shot in the head, the face to be more specific. And still, not only are they breathing two days later, they're stable and they're expected to make full recoveries. Fantastic news. But let's talk about how we got here. Let's rewind the clock to Saturday night. We want to pull up some video, some surveillance video we've obtained and set your way. What what you're going to see here are two deputies sitting in their patrol vehicle at the Compton Pack station, the metro station. They're minding their own business, and you're going to see a suspect uh, stalk his way up to the vehicle. He walks up, walks right up to that vehicle, pulls a gun out, and just straight up ambushes these two deputies, firing multiple gunshots through the window. One of the deputies is a mom of a six-year-old child. She's 31 years old. The other deputy is a 24-year-old male. They're very new. They just graduated from the academy 14 months ago. And I want to show you a photo right here. It's a little bit graphic, but it's powerful. I did get permission from the family of these deputies, as well as the sheriff himself, to show this photo. It shows what they went through. This is the moment right after they were shot and right after that suspect took off. You see that female deputy. What I'm told by sources is she was shot through her jaw. And what you're seeing there is all the blood pouring down the front of her vest, her, her uniform. Her partner is kneeling on the ground next to her. This is part of a surveillance video footage. It's very graphic. Her partner was shot in the forehead. Thankfully, the rounds did not penetrate his cranial, his, uh, you know, his skull area, did not hit any important organs. But that photo right there, extremely powerful. And what's happening there is that deputy, despite being shot through the mouth, through her jaw, she made a radio call for help and is also tourniqueting her partner. Absolute bravery, because as this is happening, there are people videotaping them laughing that they've been shot. There's videos online of people live streaming themselves, laughing, celebrating that they've been shot, saying no justice, no peace. And this deputy is tending to her teammate and also keeping an eye out to make sure that shooter didn't come back. We do have some of the radio call, that audio that went out when that deputy was calling for help. It's a little bit mumbled because she was shot in the face. Uh, it, it's heart wrenching, but take a listen to some of it. And again, that audio very difficult to listen to. A 998 with the LA County Sheriff's Department means a deputy involved shooting. So the latest, what's going on right now? It is an all-out manhunt for this shooter. The sheriff, the sheriff himself tells me they've brought in the A-team, 14 homicide detectives, the FBI is involved, 
as well as the U.S. Marshals. But as of right now, speaking to you, no suspects identified just yet. Nobody in custody just yet. Tucker? It's unbelievable. Bill, thank you very much. That was hard to listen to, that audio. It was awful. But we played it for you for a specific reason. This is the country they are creating. An attempted assassination of two young deputies. There was no dispute beforehand. There was no arrest. A man walked up out of nowhere and tried to kill them. It's the kind of thing we refer to as a senseless crime, but it wasn't senseless. There was a reason he tried to kill them. He tried to kill them because they were cops. Can we really be surprised that he tried to do that? Since the beginning of summer, the Democratic Party has told us that the police are evil, that they're killers, agents of racist genocide. Cops are the problem. Democrats have told us that every day for three and a half months. They put it in their party platform. Finally, at least one man believed them. So he shot a young mother in uniform in the face and ran away. As she staggered out of her patrol car, struggling to breathe through the blood, a group of people in Compton stood across the street and watched. They didn't help her. They didn't call 911. They filmed the woman as she bled out. One of the onlookers celebrated her suffering. Watch this. They just the aired the police out. This the only it go up and come. Get- just got aired out, cuz. They just bust on the cuz. That's crazy. Two sheriffs shot in the face. Two sheriffs shot in the face. They tripping. That didn't happen by accident. Again, this is the country they're creating. Someone got aired out in Compton, the man says, laughing. You'd like to know who that man is. You'd like to know where he is right now. You'd like to find him. A young woman shot in the face, gasping for air as she tries to stay alive for her child. What kind of person could laugh at that? You'd like to think that only a monster could laugh at that, but the truth is scarier. Legitimate sociopaths are rare. Far more common are people who believe what they're told, and people like that are everywhere, especially right now. Black Lives Matter has told this man that police officers deserve to die because they're subhuman. So why wouldn't he celebrate their death? He and many others. A mob of ghouls quickly assembled outside the hospital where these two deputies were taken. They showed up to root for their death. Then they blocked the entrance and the exit to the emergency room. That meant that ambulances couldn't move. If there was ever a moment when the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department would be justified in using immediate and overwhelming force to move these people and to protect the public by doing it, it was this moment. But they didn't do that. Instead, the Sheriff's Department went on Twitter and begged Joe Biden's voters to please move. It didn't work. If anything, the mob seemed emboldened. Watch. See what's happening right here, right? They got uh, these pigs out here. They are uh, telling us that we cannot come in here and see these individuals who's been shot down at the mother train station. Oink oink. I hope they die. If you missed the reference there, it means you haven't been following Black Lives Matter very carefully. Pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. That's what BLM chanted when police officers were murdered four years ago in Dallas and Baton Rouge. This is the same BLM, the very same that the Democratic Party promoted at its convention over the summer, the very same BLM that the unhappy rich lady across the street from you celebrates with a sign on her front lawn that makes her feel virtuous in between yoga classes. 
That's what they're promoting when they promote BLM. They're promoting people like Kevin Wharton Price. Price is one of the BLM activists who wished the deputies death as they struggle to stay alive. Price is a well-known left-wing activist in Los Angeles. The LA Times, the local paper, has mentioned Price approvingly, repeatedly. On Facebook, Price uploaded a video applauding the shooting of these deputies. Watch it. A unknown assailant walked up and bust a cap on both of them. Shot him in the head. So, I mean, what are we supposed to do, y'all? We're supposed to celebrate today because the oppressor has been slain. So if this is a start of retribution, then I think this is a very good start. The oppressor has been slain. It's retribution. It's, quote, a very good start. Is Kevin Wharton Price on a federal watch list? You certainly would be if you advocated terrorism. But it's not likely he is because Price has powerful friends. Local Democrats in Los Angeles consider him a community leader. Just this February of this year, the LA Times reported that Price's organization, the so-called Africa Town Coalition, met several times with Mayor Eric Garcetti's office. Eric Garcetti didn't think Price was a dangerous lunatic, just the opposite. In fact, Garcetti's office met with Price's group to discuss forcing local businesses to obey their demands. So the guy who celebrates cop killing was Garcetti's go-to consultant for, quote, cultural competency. Mayor Garcetti now says he's opposed to shooting police officers. Too late. We know the truth. Meanwhile, the nearby city of Linwood, right next to Compton, where the police officers are hospitalized tonight, the city manager, a man called Jose Omatol, also celebrated their shooting. He posted this statement on his personal Instagram, quote, the chickens come home to roost, quoting Malcolm X. In other words, they deserve what they got. Linwood City Council has not condemned those remarks. Multiply these attitudes by every Democratic office holder in America, and you won't be surprised to see our cities burning and our cops murdered. There were riots last night in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, of all places. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Move outside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move outside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Twenty eight coming your way. Where did he go? Get back, get back. another non-story a guy who stabbed four fucking people this year is given commands by the cops he ignores said commands and gets shot and killed so what does everybody do blm gets on the horn 
They all freak the fuck out, and they start some more rioting. Because, you know, why not? That makes sense. This is fucking riot because cops are bad. They need to air that N-word out. Yeah, air them out. I mean, that's what we do, right? We air them out with the N-word because, you know, that's super cool. Body cam video shows man with a knife chase officers. Ian Michael Chong. This is the body cam footage officer involved shooting a Lancaster PA that Black Lives Matter is rioting over. The perpetrator charged the police with a knife over his head. Clear intent. I played it. BLM riots kick off in Lancaster after an officer resolves shooting a man armed with a knife. Black Lives Matter organizers continue to rally support at the protests in Lancaster despite the release of the body cam footage because fucking facts don't matter. Here they are putting white allies in front line to act as first line of defense against police. I'll play some of this because I I didn't download it all. Yeah, that's that's good shit right there. Yeah. BLM is rioting in Lancaster uh, because the domestic abuser chased a police officer with a knife and got shot. They're literally just turning an any knife wielding lunatic into a martyr. They need it. Ricardo Munoz, the man who died in officer-involved shooting in Lancaster today that Black Lives Matter is rioting over, has a history of stabbing people. In 2019, he stabbed four people, including a teenager. So what did our great media go through? Drew Holden. We're seeing a narrative evolve in the real time in Lancaster, PA, that admits the fact the man who was shot and killed by police was actually trying to kill a police officer with body cam evidence. Enormously irresponsible, especially given the current climate. Uh, We'll start with the AP. They just so happened to leave out the reason why the officer was running away, a direct threat against his life, but managed to get the suspect race involved. involved. Video, officer running away while shooting man with knife. Uh, Reporters from AT got picked up all over as it does and recycled through the same lens. U.S. News, who managed to scrub the knife detail and focused then on the trendy topic. Fatal police shooting in man of man in Pennsylvania sparks protest. Crowds gathered to protest in Pennsylvania city after a man was fatally shot. He was just shot. Mind his own business, because that's what they say. I mean, this is what the left pushes. Which is exactly the problem by shoehorning a very obviously justified police use of force into a current narrative. You erase the details that matter. Philly Inquirer. Lancaster police fatally shoot man after domestic disturbance call. Unrest erupts in the city. Yahoo! Deadly officer involved shooting in Lancaster sparks protest. The Guardian, Ricardo Munoz shooting. Protests erupt after Pennsylvania police kill black man. Gotta get the black man in there. Uh, Syracuse.com. Protests erupt in Lancaster, Pennsylvania after police involved shooting. The Hill. Protests erupt in Lancaster after police fatally shoot man carrying knife. Well, that's a little better. Newsweek was, not surprisingly, the least responsible with their reporting. The fatal police shooting of Ricardo Munoz in Lancaster, PA, explained Lancaster police used chemical agents to disperse protesters after police, police fatal shooting in Pennsylvania. We're just supposed to let them do what they want. Burn shit. Yeah. Okay. We'll get right on that. Sounds good. Good shit. 
And by the time the dust has settled and the damage has been surveyed by the protesters, the situation that led to it has been all forgotten. AP again and Penn Live. Tear gas used on crowd protesting police shooting. A heartbreaking day for our city. Police use spray on peaceful protesters. They actually put peaceful. Sorry, I had to take a drink before I scream some more. I usually leave out local, this is Drew Holden again, because they do not do hard and thankless job, but you can already see the narrative forming. Cruz, this is CBS 21 local. Crews are working to clean up damage across Lancaster this morning following protests after a 27-year-old man was shot and killed by police. Just shot and killed. He was doing nothing wrong. WFMZ local. Protests followed deadly police involved shooting. And the usual arsonist jumped on the pile. It is absolutely impossible to look at the body cam video and conclude that the police summarily executed anyone. T. Greg Doucette, Lancaster, PA, police summarily executed a reportedly autistic man they claim was armed with a knife. They left his dead body visible on the ground for more than two hours. Protesters are amping up in real time. And the usual clickbait folks jump in here. Revolt TV. Protesters erupt, protest erupt in Lancaster, Pennsylvania after police fatally shoot man. And before you know it, the issue framed in a way that doesn't fit the facts is trending on Twitter. Protests break out after police fatally shoot a 27-year-old man in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This death, like any other, is a tragedy. But that doesn't mean it fits our worldview or advances your narrative just because a few of the details, a few you leave out a few of the details. If reporting obfuscates more than it reveals about the kind of things, we'll all be worse off. I have a bad feeling this thread will need to be added on as more places pick up the story. Also, shouldn't be lost on anyone that all of this is happening while two officers in L.A. are battling for the lives after someone attempted to assassinate them. You know where the anti-police animus comes from. I've got a guess. For those asking, I don't have anything to support or subscribe to, but I do these threads often to show, throw me a follow if you'd like, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on to just talk to people. But that's how you get, we aired that nigga out. And yes, I said A, nigga. We did. Yeah, we nared him out. Woohoo! Compton be lit killing cops. And then you get Elijah Riot. Forbes says our coverage of the riots last night might sway the Pennsylvania election in favor of Trump if Biden doesn't respond properly. That's why they hate us. Our honest reporting is actually swaying public opinion. This is from Forbes. And, you know, we say it. We say it all the time. We said it last year. We said it about all these peaceful protests, that they were going to do this because it's political. This is what they actually wrote. With the hot summer protests turning into an equally angry election autumn, issues of police violence and the breakout of violent anti-police protests are sure to dominate the nation's attention. As a result, the leaders of BLM movement and others who have called for the end of unjust police violence have an important task ahead of them. They must help the protesters that have swelled the streets better understand that anti-police anger is righteous and when it is unjustified, failing to do so harms their cause and their chances of success. And for Joe Biden, 
he must navigate another explosive issue in an essential battleground state that voted for Trump. All eyes will be focused on how Biden addresses the incident and how he explains to the American people where the line between proper protests and the need for law and order should be drawn. As the campaign hits a stretch run, Biden must address this issue and the protests in Lancaster like his election depends on it. Shadi Ahmadi, in my new Atlantic piece, piece, I argue that even strictly law and order Republicans have an interest in Biden winning. If Biden loses, mass unrest is more unlikely because the left will have more difficult accepting the results, which is just another of the 3,000. Don't vote for us. We'll fucking kill you. He goes on. Try imagining how a million of Democrats will process a Trump victory. A loss of for Biden after having been the clear favorite all summer would provoke mass delusion with electoral politics as a mean of change. No one should want this. You gotta vote Democrat, damn you. It's more than L.A. It's more than Lancaster. Let's just, let's just take a little trip. How about attacking Trump supporters? It's been happening ever since Maxine Waters called for it. Here's a booth getting fucked up. Uh, Joy Vila getting fucked up. And a little kid, a girl, getting egged by Biden voters. Screaming in my face, telling me I'm oppressed. I am not oppressed. We have black conservatives, and this is one white guy who is screaming in our face, telling us we're oppressed. This is a hater. He's trying to say that we're oppressed and we're racist, and he's the one screaming in our face. Black Lives Matter is trying to attack black conservatives. No, yes, yes, black. Are we oppressed? No. We can scream in our face. We are. When you scream, says the white guy, right? (laughs) We're oppressed. They get violent. He started shoving us. He started screaming in our face. He started pushing old ladies and children, screaming in black people's face, telling us we're oppressed. You're a white dude. You're one single dude, and there's hundreds of us. Don't test us. I saw you. We don't let them bully us. Thank you. We're not going to let them bully us. It's not okay. They come in here, and they tell us we're oppressed. It's not all right. That's crazy. He's saying, F you, you're a racist, right in my face. Put a finger in my face. This is what Black Lives Matter has become. This is the destruction and chaos of the Democratic Party. You guys are Marxists. You are enabling disgusting people like this guy. He walked in and started screaming in our faces. You're the racist. You're the racist. You're the racist. You understand? You're the racist. 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 You're the rac
gang, nigga, fuck Donald Trump, nigga. Fuck Trump, nigga. Gang man, nigga, fuck you, bitch. talk statistics because black black people are being killed by police right yes. what are the numbers what are the numbers what? i don't need to tell you the numbers I need, <laughs> okay i need you you don't know to anything understand your privilege <laughs> and the fact that your skin color does not get you fucking killed okay can we talk about statistics and numbers and data and facts and evidence right, what are the numbers what are the numbers right right i'm gonna tell you okay. the number of unarmed black people who were killed by police last year was nine that's point zero 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 two two percent of the entire black population. The number of white people who were killed by the unarmed white people killed by the police last year was 19. 19. So, and the number of white people who are killed by police every year is double the amount that's killed by black people every. Because the facts that I'm giving you don't align with your your cult narrative. What is it about me that disgusts you? You're angry you're because privileged. I told you facts. You're fucking privileged. That's what I color. Yeah, we have yeah, a... Yeah, yeah. Do you not understand yourself right now? No, I'm an ally. I'm a fucking ally because I believe... An ally to what? To equality. To equality Right, but I just gave you the numbers which showed that the thing that you're angry about isn't real. Black people are not being killed by police in disproportionate numbers. It's not happening. You're you're just full of rage for no reason. More than half of the ba black babies in New York City are aborted. More than half. Do you care about those black lives? Do you care? Simple question. Do you care? Do you care? She's trying to talk. I mean, why are you trying to prevent her from talking? I mean, what privilege? What privilege? Because I don't want you to try to incite anger. Learn some facts. You don't have to be so angry. Oh, no. I threw in there the end was um, normals getting done. They're just done. They just drowned out BLM. 
And then we have Sacramento. The second photo. Jody Hernandez. Protesters turned ugly when demonstrators surrounded a CHP car. Got on the hood and the officer drove through the people. One person injured. Hatal Talala, a BLM activist. Trump came to Sacramento and cops ran over protesters.
This was big on Twitter, too, and it's totally fucking lie. The dude chick jumped on the fucking car. They're trying to block traffic. The beginning of that soundbite is Trumpers going, fuck you, and driving through Sacramento. They then start blocking cars and stopping them, but it's all set to music, so I can't play it. So then the cops come to try to disperse the fucking mob, and what do they do? They jump on the car. The cop drives off after they part the sea, and he gets out. He doesn't know the person's on the car. But the cop's a dick. And it's everywhere. Everywhere. Here's the George Washington Bridge BLM blocking again. Wow.
If you do not cooperate and accompany the arresting officer to the prisoner transport vehicle, or if you resist arrest, you may be charged with additional crime. Since you have refused to leave the roadway, you will be placed under arrest on the charge of disorderly conduct. If you do not cooperate and accompany the arresting officer to the prisoner down with these guys and they really are part of it because they know politically it helps them but what do you expect people to do here's somebody getting run over in tennessee because they try to block traffic here's uh blm walking up and slashing people's tires while they're sitting in their car and here's some more new york city fucking violence that all our media is there but they ignore tried to punch it. Yeah, he just slashed his tires. That's what happens. Get your tires slashed. That's what happens. You get your tires slashed. You get your fucking tires slashed when you fucking try to run people over. Trying to run people over, you get your fucking tire slashed. That's how we do it in LA. That's how we fucking do it. You want to run people over? Well, you're going to get your shit fucking pushed in.
people surrounded the car because she tried to push through fucking a bunch of protesters. Like, look at all these fucking people. You fucking try to push your car through all these people and say, fuck you? Well, guess what? Your shit's getting fucked up. to do are we just supposed to sit and take it because we're white and we're bad people because we're white is that your plan is that what we're gonna go with because I, I gotta be quite honest i will mow a motherfucker down i've already been almost pulled out once i'm not doing it again i don't give a fuck what cause they're for i don't fucking care it doesn't give them the right to damage my property it doesn't give them the right to fucking harm me as much as you guys want to make it that way i'm sorry most of us are not gonna play with that bullshit we're just not and we shouldn't have to there is no fucking excuse for this violence There's no excuse for it. You have justified it, Democrats, since fucking May. You've justified all of this. And we're not having it anymore. 
We're just not going to have it. It, it. it is beyond proper decorum. You literally don't get to damage stuff, beat people, burn stuff down because you believe cops are bad. What the fuck does normal people have to do with cops? We have nothing to do with cops. We're not cops. But when you have a media establishment that sits there all day saying cops are bad, everybody's racist, and Trump's going to win, and if he wins, you're all going to fucking die. He's going to fucking kill people. We're, he's going to put people in fucking uh, concentration camps. How many times have we fucking heard that shit? How many times? I mean, this fucking shit is out of control. And then on Twitter this weekend, we have everybody trying to play down the rumors that, hey, Anifon BLM are starting fires in California and the Pacific Northwest. All the media betters, oh no, they even fact-checked, oh, there's a rumor on Facebook that seven people were arrested in Medford. It was only two. Because <laughs> by the end of the weekend, they couldn't play it down anymore. Suspect stopped six more brush fires, faced additional charges. He was released in Portland. On Monday the 14th, East Precinct officers were dispatched with Portland Fire and Rescue to report of multiple fires on I-205 by my parents' house. Portland Fire and Rescue extinguished three of them while passing community members put out the others. All were caught early, no one was injured, and no structures were burnt. Officers located Domingo Lopez Jr. walking along the shoulder, shoulder and arrested him. They seized the lighter as evidence. My wife sends me one. It's literally a lady in Oregon... Stopping a dude from starting fires, an Antifa guy, she held him a gunpoint. But that's how far they've gone because you tell them America sucks, burn it down. Here's one of the sound bites. Ah, shit, the sound bite was fucking corrupt. But it got an arrest again on tape, an arrest showing them arresting people in Oregon. Because they're fucking starting fires. I mean, what the actual fuck? I mean, the one I could find on paper, because the rest is all buried. He's done it before. And as we start our show with, we aired the nigga out. Ed Malarkey, police... Portland police routinely attack peaceful protesters with brute force. We must disarm these officers and every other police department in America of weapons of war and act a nationwide ban on tear gas, rubber, and plastic bullets, and beanbag rounds. That's what the Democrats want. But a plurality of likely voters say demonstrations in Kenosha and Portland are riots. 84%. 84. 84. Nobody's buying your bullshit. 
But how evil? Why do you think we have this? I'm playing it again from L.A. God damn. Nigga just aired the police out, nigga. They just aired the police out, nigga. It go up and come. Them niggas just got aired out, cuz. They just bust on them niggas, cuz. That's crazy. Damn. Oh, it goes down in Compton. Oh, they just got bust off. That nigga on a knee. Damn. Police just got aired out, nigga. They just got bust on, nigga. They just got aired out. They just got aired out, nigga. It's going up. Somebody bust on their ass. Somebody bust on the police, nigga. Damn, nigga. Oh. Oh, two sheriffs shot in the face. Two sheriffs shot in the face, they tripping. It's going up in Compton. Niggas bust on the police, nigga. Nigga, they just got aired out. Somebody ran up on the car and bust on their ass. Right through the window, in the face and all, nigga. It's a wrap. The left is linked to Farrakhan. The left is hand in hand with PPFA, BLM. All these groups and the NAACP. According to NAACP chapter president Bishop Talbert Swan, there is no such things as blue lives because police choose to do their jobs, whereas black people do not get to choose their skin. In his Twitter post, there's no such thing as blue lives. Stop comparing your job with my life. Your career is a choice. My blackness isn't. No one deserves to be unjustly murdered, police or citizen. If you're expressing outrage over the shooting of two sheriff deputies, but we're defending Kyle Rittenhouse murdering two protesters in Kenosha only days ago, you need to shut up and have a seat. You heard the soundbite on Tucker of a community leader. This is what they built. And the worst part as opening night went to shit for the NFL because it's part of it too. The football weekend was down 30%. Sunday night football alone went from 24 million to 14 million viewers because this is what these pampered millionaire fucking brats Black guys who say they're they're it, my life is so horrible. I worry every day about dying, even though I'm a fucking bajillionaire. This is how it went. Kick is away. It's out of the back of the end zone, and we had a feeling that this may be something that took place before the game today. Both teams are taking a knee after the kickoff. Demonstration by both teams. A show of unity between the Seahawks and the Falcons. And it will.
Yeah, it was a fucking shit show. Players across the NFL kneeled during national anthem to start the season. While some teams refused to even leave the locker room, many other players, at least one head coach, took a knee. Taylor Tannenbaum, Colts head coach Frank Wright, kneeling during the national anthem as his players stand around him with arms linked. Eight Panther players knelt for the national anthem and nine raised their fists. All the Raiders stood for the national. Neither Jets nor the Bills were out of the on the field. Browns, Miles Garrett, Ronnie Harrison, Kaharl Dodge kneeled. Many of the Ravens kneeling. Not Lions, Adrian Peterson among a group of players kneeling during the national anthem. There are about 20 Bears kneeling. Statement from the Green Bay Packers. The Packers reflect the national anthem and the United States flag. And all that they represent, including the right to express ourselves. We decided as a team to remain in the locker room during the playing of the National Anthem and lift every voice and sing. So as to not distract from our message that we stand united for social justice and racial equality. This is part of our continued call on our leaders to engage in meaningful dialogue that result in change. We feel it is important for all of us to participate in these difficult conversations with humility and be open to different perspectives they got nuked my reply as a vet i read this read this and say your first paragraph's a lie and the rest of it is so the mob won't attack you basically what the majority of paying customers who buy jerseys pay for sunday ticket and bleed green and gold matter little this whole charade is a farce predicated on one liberal vet talking to a has-been quarterback who hates America and wants to destroy that snowballed into riots, beatings, murders in the streets, 45 now, to push a narrative that is false. More whites unarmed and armed are killed by police. Promote an organization that is extreme and wants no family, borders, or USA as it is for an election season because a president the media established hates has to be unseated. It is killing your brand. The majority of Americans love the flag, the anthem, and think the second anthem and flag are disrespectful to the vets who have fought and died for it. But you don't care, because being woke makes you think it will bring you business. BLM Antifa won't pay the bills. But keep up the charade and see it hit your bottom line as we stop buying merchandise. And by the end of the fucking day, I knew it was going to happen. Here's the Ravens. All these millionaire black, guy, black guys are the, are just being destroyed by systemic racism and can't make a living and are getting killed every day by cops. They kneeled for the anthem and stood for the black national anthem. Daniel Oyusufusi. I can't say his name. The Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, is currently being played. Ravens players are lined up at the goal line while the Browns return to their locker room. It looks like one Raven is kneeling. Ravens player line up at the goal line for addition of Lift Every Voice and Sing, the Black National Anthem. Matthew Judon and Marlon Humphrey kneeled. NF players all over the league are kneeling during the National Anthem. We simply aren't allowed to enjoy sports anymore without politics being shoved down our throats. The Ravens stood for the Black National Anthem, and then most of the team kneeled for the National Anthem. That, my friends, is a really bad look. 
Question, how can the Ravens argue it's not about respect for the anthem when they kneel for the national anthem and stand for the black one? It's killing them. Public support has tanked across the board. Um, And U.S. adults down 30, men down 24, women down 34. Do the math on that. The one demographic that they really need, women, to make money, because that's what the NFL's been doing with the Alyssa Milano redskin fucking shirt. Sorry, I'm going to adjust my mic. It fell down. Um, That was supposed to be how they made money, women. Oh, no. 18 to 34, down 15. uh, uh, 35 to 54, down 44. Over 55, down 30. White Americans down 26. Non-white Americans down 35. Republicans down 46. Independents down 40. And Democrats who don't watch it down 5. CBS knows it. Sports head called for broadcast to restrain on social justice remarks. Our announcers on site of the games are not going to condone. They're not going to condemn what's going on. They're going to report it, and they're going to move on. CBS leaned hard into the story over the NFL today with a montage of recent events involved protests of police, including images of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and other victims, along with testimony from players and coaches. Bill Cowher preached to fans, fans, please don't be judgmental today. Listen to the statements these teams are making. This is not about the flag. I love this country, but we can all do better. If we want change, America, we got to get off our asses and vote, said Randy Moss. Uh, Kurt Menefee, and while the pursuit of equality for all Americans has been going on for more than four centuries, it arrived upon the NFL sideline four years ago when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Most of the Ravens, of course, wore black t-shirts saying, injustice against one of us is injustice against all of us, and racism, and then they said, fuck that white national anthem. It's so fucking confusing for the NFL that the Washington Redskins, listen to this story, the NFL team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, may permanently change its names to the Washington football team. They're so cowed, they don't want to call it the Warriors. They don't want to call it anything. Football team. Jenna Ellis, and it isn't Washington races according to the cancel leftists, so why wasn't this just the football team all along? Pretty sure since George Washington is also canceled, the team name is still racist. They just call themselves football team. LeBron James, just waking up from my pregame nap to see about the Washington football team. Is that real? No way. Oh man, they had a thorough, intense, long board meeting about that one, huh? You hypocritical sack of shit. It's people like you while they're doing it. Tyler Effort is the only person I can talk to or talk about in a positive light. Great win to start the season. Love being part of the new team and community. It was an honor wearing David Dorn's name on my helmet today. At least he picked somebody that's worthy of being recognized. 
Because God knows the media didn't. Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. So that's everything up and up and uh, it's just, it's all fucked up. We're going to end with a good friend of mine and he is a truck driver. I'm going to beep his name as he speaks. We have been talking to each other about football forever. He's a Vikings fan. I'm a Packer fan. And we called and talked before the game last year. He continued on. He didn't change his stance on any of this stuff because he just said, I'm not going to watch the opening. Um, diehard fan. Always been a diehard fan. And I want you to know, this shows how fucking bad they have done. The NFL. Because this guy bought it all. Sunday ticket. The whole nine yards. And he's done. And then we'll come in to some narrative. I had, uh, I'm on the road, so when I receive a text message, it does a readout or it reads the text message. And I, it was, I, was, laughing, I was laughing so hard at your text message because I literally had just got off the phone with a fellow named Tony Evans from Minnesota. And he's a turncoat Green Bay Packers fan now because they have Green Bay Packers has nicer colors or something. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, he was always like, I got to watch my Packers. I got to watch my Packers. And I explained to him that I, I, I said, I'm not biting the apple. I said, you know, I, I literally uh, dis- discontinued my direct TV with my NFL Sunday ticket package. And I turned in my receivers and they broke me. They broke me, Tony. You know how hard it is to break me. I'm a devout Vikings fan as I am. But uh, corporate NFL and Roger Goodell finally did it. It wasn't Colin Kaepernick. It was Roger Goodell. And I was, you know what? I'm just going to sit on the bench this season. So I can I canceled DirecTV. I canceled NFL Sunday ticket. I discontinued my account, turned in my receivers. And I didn't even put up my Vikings decor yet. So I'm just not going to. But anyhow... I have my friend Tony, and that's all that really matters. All right, brother. You have a good one. Talk to you later. I'll let you know when I'm back in that area again. I'm coming from uh, Rialto, California, going to Cold Springs, Minnesota right now. So, yeah, my truck in life. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Bye. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. part of one party no longer have news we have
Trump's climate denial may not have caused these fires and record floods and record hurricanes. But if he gets a second term, these hellish events will continue to become more common, more devastating and more deadly. Meanwhile, Donald Trump warns that integration is threatening our suburbs. It's ridiculous. But you know what is actually threatening our suburbs? Wildfires are burning the suburbs in the West. Floods are wiping out suburban neighborhoods in the Midwest. Hurricanes are imperiling suburban life along our coast. If we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? If you give a climate arsonist four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised if we have more America blaze? If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. Unless we take urgent action, will soon be more catastrophic. He's there in California, Jamie. You have a ton of people there who are victims of forest fires. Uh, They're on the leading edge of being victims of climate change, and the president is victim-blaming. There just seems to be, and we've seen this pattern over and over. We obviously feel very strongly that the hots are getting hotter, the dries are getting drier. When we're having heat domes, the likes of which we've never seen in our history, the hottest August ever in the history of the state, uh, the ferocity of these fires, the drought five plus years, losing 163 million trees to that drought, something's happened to the plumbing of the world. And we come from a perspective, humbly, uh, where we submit uh, the science is, uh, in and observed evidence is self-evident uh, that climate change is real. And that is exacerbating this. And so I think there's an area of at least commonality on vegetation, forest management. Uh, But please uh, respect, and I know you do, uh, the difference of opinion out here as it relates to this fundamental issue on the issue of climate change. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Jed, please. Uh, As the governor said, we've had temperatures explode this summer. Uh, You may have learned that we broke a world record in the Death Valley, 130 degrees. But even in greater L.A., 120 plus degrees. And we're seeing this warming trend make our summers warmer, but also our winters warmer as well. So I think one area of mutual agreement and priority is vegetation management. But I think we want to work with you to really recognize the changing climate and what it means to our forests and actually work together with that science. That science is going to be key. Because if we, if we ignore that science and sort of put our head in the sand and think it's all about vegetation management, we're not going to succeed together protecting Californians. Okay. It'll start getting cooler. I you, wish, just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> hey, well, I don't think science knows, actually. Tom, please. Once again, when they say things like that, you really got to think. They really are worried about their fucking numbers, aren't they? Because if you're saying as Joe Biden that I can stop weather, are you fucking shitting me? You can stop weather. 
Really? I mean, what the actual fuck is that? Does anybody know? Because I sure the fuck don't. Biden's case against climate arson is Trump hinge on suburbanites being terrified of getting burned, flooded out, and blown away. This is Jennifer Epstein, and she reported this with no pushback. Just reported it. Because remember, when Biden says crazy shit, we just report it. We don't fact check. We don't go, hey, hey. We have to act as a nation. It shouldn't be so bad that millions of Americans live in the shadow of an orange sky and are left asking, it's doomsday here. It's happening everywhere. It's happening now. And it affects us all. Donald Trump's climate denial may not have caused these fires, record floods, record hurricanes, but if he gets a second term, these hellish events will continue to become more common, more devastating, more deadly. Biden flips Trump's warning to the suburbs. If we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how many suburbs would burn in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods have flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away? Tom Elliott's the one who I got it. Everybody did it like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Stephen L. Miller. Biden was vice president for eight years. Was in the Senate for 37. What do you do to stop these worsening events? Or did all these catastrophic man-made climate events just start happening in 2016? Adius Husky's ghost. Vote for me because I can control the elements. Curtis Huck. Shorter. Biden, like me and floods, fires, and hurricanes will stop. If not, your house will either flood, burn down, or get blown away. Another day, another threat, and continued extortion by the Biden campaign and their media handlers. Because that's really what it's all about. It's just scare you to vote for me. And if you don't, we're going to burn your shit down. We're going to beat people We're just going to go up in arms because, you know, can't talk about how he can't form two sentences with a fucking thesaurus and a goddamn dictionary. We can't talk that he's the gropiest groper of all gropers and there's all sorts of women that did complaints and were ignored by the DNC because, you know... He might be the person we're going to elect in 2020. Oh, shit. He is the person we elected in 2020. Okay. Got it. (laughs) We're not going to talk about how literally he has no ideas, has never had any ideas, hasn't done anything with his 37 fucking years of service to the country. Because, you know, literally, when this shit show started, do you remember? They were like, he, Anita Hill, motherfucking Anita Hill. And we're damn sure not going to talk about FBI raids home a Netflix star and Biden surrogate over underage sex allegation. A man featured in a campaign video with Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden is under federal investigation for soliciting sex with minors, according to, oh no, not Breitbart. The USA Today. 
Federal agents raided the Illinois home of Jerry Harris, who gained notoriety due to his role in Netflix documentary Cheer, Monday afternoon as part of a probe into message sent to minors asking for explicit photos and to meet for sex. The solicitations were flagged for authorities by a 21-year-old employer. Just three months ago, the Biden campaign used him, who had a million followers on Instagram, as part of a Biden push to sway young voters and win back the Internet. Time magazine reported the Instagram live video of Harris and Biden was viewed 300,000 times. Together we have the power to make a real change, he wrote. A real change. Oh, really? Maybe that's why they're changing all the fucking laws. It goes so well with the cutie stuff that just won't Stop. Axios. GOP politicians are jump-starting a Netflix boycott in response to the film Cuties, which announces the hypersexuation of young girls on social media. Their stance is linked to a child sex trafficking conspiracy theory central to the QAnon movement. But then they find out that ain't true, and they retract it and delete it. So that's where we went on the Cuties since last podcast. It's QAnon. And then you see people like Nick Gillespie, Liberty Hangout, tweeted it. You're sick and should probably be investigated by the FBI. Retweet Draper Robert. Keynote speaker joke. Have you ever had sex with a 14-year-old? Australian answer. 14-year-old what? From rainbow parties to butt chugging, five classic teen sex and drug freakouts. Why banning sex offenders from Halloween might make kids less safe. Must read. No evidence whatsoever. Sex offenders target kids. On Halloween. And he's been one of the most vocal critics of the whole cuties. That you should watch it. Also, since last podcast, to the trolls who want me banned are, are, this is Chris Britt 01, demanding apology. Do not hold your collective breath. You're no better than the 9-11 terrorists who hated America and everything this country stands for, including freedom of speech, because you support Trump. And it's Literally a picture of Trump's plane going into the World Trade Center. Yeah, that was that was one I missed. That's that's some nice stuff. You know, liberals are such good guys. They're, they're just such good guys. They're, they're just so... Then, uh, before I get deep, I forgot to cover the, the rest of this crazy shit with Biden on the soundbite. That was uh, Keller saying Trump was victim-blaming, which seems to be what the left does all the fucking time, and Gavin Newsom lecturing. So don't want to miss that. That's why I played it. Fox News, Jake Tapper trying to clean up lying about his secret political advice. Media reporter Blind Flood kept chronicling how CNN host Jake Tapper is trying to clean up the mess he created by lying and urging GOP congressional candidate Sean Parnell to run in a safer R district than the one represented by freshman Democrat Connor Lamb. Tapper has been pestering GOP congressional candidate Sean Parnell to issue a joint statement. While Tapper has remained silent on the story publicly, he has apparently been working the phones behind the scenes calling for Tapper to Parnell have come multiple times since the story broke. A source close to Parnell who does not work for Parnell's campaign told Fox News. 
I was with Sean the day one of these stories broke. Tapper was blowing up his phone like an obsessed lunatic. Everyone knew it. By the end of the day, every time Sean's phone rang or beeped, half a dozen people would say, is that Tapper? Tapper's also reached out to people close to Parnell, including political allies, attempting to get Parnell campaign to issue a joint statement that downplays the CNN anchor's action. CNN did not respond. Of course they wouldn't. Then on Cuties, again, Facebook puts Netflix on blast by removing sexually exploitative Cuties clip. Now do the math on that. So Facebook calls it bad, but Twitter doesn't. Hmm. That's that's pretty fucking bad. That's pretty fucking bad. Um, let's get the next one. CDC moving ahead with diversity training disabuse employees of the myth of American exceptionalism. Now remember, this is banned. But we're in a world where Democrats just follow the laws they want to. Bombshell. The CDC is moving forward with a critical race theory training program in violation of the executive action. I've obtained leaked documents that outline CDC's plan to examine the mechanism of systemic racism and address white supremacy ideology. The 13-week series called Naming, Measuring, and Addressing the Impact of Racism on the Health and Well-Being of the Nation and the World. I obtained the internal emails in white and an APHA presentation series instructor that follows the same. The first three training sessions are focused on racism, sexism, and other systems of structured inequality than teaching CDC employees they, that they must address institutionalized racism to really set things right in a garden of racist nation. Really? In sections 6 through 9, the CDC claims that racism is a public health crisis, that systemic racism leads to police killing of unarmed black people and brown people and when women, the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on communities of color. Christopher R.F. Rufo is the one that's breaking all this stuff. In session 10 and 11, the trainers will teach CDC employees that they must target and destroy the value of focus on the individual the myth of American exceptionalism, and white supremacist ideology. This is textbook critical race theory. The final lesson teaches CDC employees how to become activists. They will be encouraged to join the anti-racism collaborative with eight collective action teams focused on communication, scientific publication, and anti-racist and influencing policy and legislation. So basically they're just going to do what the fuck they want. That that's that's what we're gonna do. That's that's just fucking amazing. And then I had a bunch of stuff, but I just want to read one op-ed from the American Mind: the Democrats' party's riots. They're getting what they asked for, good and hard. CNN anchors Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon have the collective brain capacity of rising third graders. Okay, fair point. There's no reason for me to insult our children like that, but the one upside of the tumbleweeds blowing through their minds is that sometimes what the left is really thinking accidentally rolls out of their mouth. Don Lemon recently called on Joe Biden to make a speech addressing the riots and explaining how when it comes to reforming the police, he and Camilla Harris will take care of the problem after being elected. 
But guess what? The rioting has to stop, Lemon revealed. Chris, as you know, and I know, it's showing up in the polling, showing up at focus groups. It is the only thing, it is the only thing right now that is sticking. Hmm. Maybe with lefties. Think about what he's really saying here. Rioting is fine, but only if it helps us win. There are plenty of signals and establishment Democrats realize they need to pivot towards a pretense of responsible citizenship and denouncing the violent. Now that the events of Kenosha and the mob violence surrounding them and have become a final straw for potential swing voters, suddenly it's all gone too far. We must consider municipal law and order. These usefully idiotic clowns and the elites they serve still slap mostly peaceful chirons on their coverage of American neighborhood going up in flames. Some still think the mob will help them win, but the riots can't just be put back in the bottle. Not because you morons finally blink. Democrats helped open Pandora's box this summer. Deep-rooted fear and anger have flown out. There's no, there is now no telling where they will roost politically. BLM and friends are run by very angry, very dangerous extremists who aren't playing around. They now have hundreds of millions of dollars at their command. They will not be easily controlled by the brain-dead or evil Dems who summoned them. You play with fire, you get burned, as our cities tragically and needlessly will continue to do. The left is now very upset that someone showed up with a gun and shot rioters in Kenosha because they are against violence and lawlessness and civic unrest since today. I have some big news for every glib apologist and coif tanky on the miserably compliant left. You built this. You refuse to condemn and stop it. You asked for this. You don't get to take the high ground now. You own this. Quite literally, you paid for it. Leftist foundation and politicians have nurtured and grown BLM for many years now. We're still not sure why more Republican leaders have not pointed out that convicted terrorist Susan Rosenberg is on the board of directors for the fundraising arm of BLM, for instance. But they should. True. We've all paid for it. We paid with our tax dollars to put a generation of kids through public school gulag that teaches them to justify exactly the sort of violence based on toxic combination of identity politics and America's evil. We have paid businesses we buy from, even as we watch them spend millions teaching and enforcing the same eight-five ideology, turning big corporate into a giant re-education camp that scares worker into political submission. We paid with our time using social media and the data we've given our tech companies as they slyly shape the public square with their speech codes. But the American people will never forget what you did, what you started, because we'll have to put this evil genie back in the bottle and it will take time to force violence in order to do so. Among political parties, only the Democrats allowed and tactically encouraged the destruction of our cities, of businesses of our way of life. They've constantly tried to hide and downplay what has actually occurred, but most people aren't that far removed from the reality around us, especially with the most important election in a lifetime coming around the bend like a freight train. Now, after ceaseless riots in the wake of unnecessary total shutdowns of our economy, the Democrats' panic ploy to elect Joe Biden are causing millions of people across America to consider moving from their homes. You have abetted the destruction of our cities so you could win an election. You, your corporate stooges, your glib and sinister nurse ratchets, ratchets, sorry, you elegant child abusers and mob apologists have become a new party all your own. You are now the BLM Antifa party. You are too scared, too complicit to denounce either group. And it's so funny because we always have the Trump, we're going to play a cone. It's a cult. It's a cult. Oh, 
Really? Yet you now heap fearful denunciations on those who, however illy advised, try to defend the life, liberty, and property that the complicit and incompetent government will not. We will not mindlessly accept your knee-jerk narrative about Kyle Rittenhouse, some kind of crazy Nazi who gunned down an innocent protester in cold blood. Your convenient narrative does not comport with the facts that even the New York Times recently set forth. We will wait for more facts. We will watch all the video. We will not throw him under the bus, and neither should any American who believes in equality under the law. Of course, you don't want citizens roaming the street with guns drawn. Of course, this tempts fate and risks more tragic, needless violence. But that's the point for the BLM Antifa party. That's exactly what they want. That's exactly what you asked for when you unleashed them. The moral outrage of Twitterati right now is in truth shamelessly cowardice. You really think people are supposed to sit back and let mostly peaceful militia and mobs destroy their cities? Kenosha is supposed to welcome out of town extremists trained in terror tactics and shelter in place while their city is smashed to bits and burned to the ground? No. Every drop of blood that's being spilled, every assault, every cent of the untold billions of property damage perpetuated this summer, all is on you. Every person threatened while at dinner with their family, or what I like to call, this is me talking, table-side wokeness. Every kid awoken by the profane screams of organized agitators. Every person of every race and class out of work because of a burned-out, boarded-up business. Congratulations. You earned this. These are now Joe Biden's riots. Nancy Pelosi's riots. Camelia Harris's riots. So keep pushing your precious narrative. You can't stop what you've started. You can't control or channel it. Today or tomorrow, eventually it will swallow you up and eat you. If every Republican was put on a firing line tomorrow, the next step for the Marxist racist <coughs> radicalist, excuse me, would be to attack the smiling liberals of our elderly institution leadership. Big corporate would be burned to the ground. Companies like Amazon would be gutted and cannibalized. They won't care that your ligament creaked as you knelt before the kente cloth. Even so, the out-of-touch wealthy enablers of their elitist left still think they can hold on to power over and against their brown shirts in the streets. For now. But as the flames get higher, the truth is getting harder and harder to hide. With every passing day between now and November, more and more everyday Americans can see it. Did you hear that? We see you. Michael J. Peterson. That is fantastic. But our media, yeah, they they don't they don't hear it. They're too busy trying to get a guy elected. Here's our media mash. Chuck Todd fears media losing their power to shame politician. CNN hates you. Wilson says Trump voters will willfully get the I didn't get the rest of it. Dan Rather, uh, CBS pretends it's shocking Woodward showed what he did. And then CNN, guilty of negligent homicide. Was it Bill de Blasio? No. It's Trump. Hey, Jeffrey Goldberg, I I, I wanted you to, um, your book is, one of the things you say in the introduction to this book uh, on, on these sort of the best of the Atlantic, I think over the last four years, is how maybe... You, and frankly, I think you speak for all the media, we all underestimated how to cover this president and how to cover his mischaracterizations and lies. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, we're not, we weren't at least trained for such a novel kind of approach to 
truth and to populism and even to these authoritarian impulses that you see. <clears throat> you know, we've spoken about this in the past. Um, he, uh, yeah. you know, we have somebody who doesn't, um, I mean, as Al just mentioned, um, there's 20,000 or more lies documented by the Washington Post. And usually until until this presidency, when a president is called out for lying, um, they usually trim their sails a little bit or they apologize or they explain. Um, and what you have here is, is, is a new phenomenon for all of us. And, and we're not sure um, what to do. It's taken us a long time to, to call a lie a lie. As I've said, the only way to understand this is to realize he doesn't have shame. I do think it is very troublesome, though, that when, when they asked voters in these four states which one they were more concerned about, whether it was the pandemic or law and order, that they slightly said law and order. Now, the idea that we have a problem in this country with not enough law and order versus the pandemic, which is killing people and destroying our economy, <laughs> um, is very concerning. And so it, it does make you wonder where people are getting their information. And I, and it's, and this is what we're sort of talking about is that there is so much bad information out there. And who's most of it coming from? The president of the United States, who has set up this false paradigm where, you know, first of all, he loves to create chaos. So we know that that's not true. But he's also set up this false paradigm that his only choice was to say nothing versus create panic. Right. I mean, there is a middle ground there where you tell people what's going on and you don't create panic. And yet he's not getting backlash for this, though. I mean, he doesn't appear to be, you know, being held accountable, at least at this point, as far as we can tell. When you look at, you know, the images coming out of Nevada tonight and these enthusiastic crowds who are turning up for him. Well, I don't think that the, that the crowds in a Trump rally are ever going to hold Donald Trump accountable. This is more of a personality cult now than a political party or a or a campaign. So th those folks don't really care. He could say that, you know, the Black Plague is awesome. Let's go get it. And they would probably nod up and down and go, okay, cool, he said so. So this is not a president who... Um, who will ever be, you know, under any sort of pressure from his from from his internal base at all? Um, they 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 are, as I said earlier in the segment, divorced from reality. They're really fundamental. What this presidential election is about is whether the country is going to move more in the direction of white supremacy, or whether it's going to move more in the direction of a multiracial constitutional republic based on the principles of freedom and democracy. His whole campaign is based on panic, but then he's asking us to believe that when it came to the coronavirus, he just didn't want to uh, spread panic. Mm -hmm. anybody, anybody who believes this will believe that rocks grow. And we're going <laughs> to find out how many people are dumb enough uh, to believe that is an excuse and it's a lie. It's outrageous and it's very dangerous. Dan, I am so glad you said what you said at the beginning of your answer, that this election is really a choice between American democracy and white supremacy. That is the way I, I wrote a column about that. I, this is the way I've been viewing viewing this election. My big fear, my big fear is that white supremacy will win. Am I being overly am I being pessimistic or am I being realistic? No, I think you're being very realistic. This is an election that's a choice between American democracy and white supremacy. And I just said to Dan that I think my 
I'm afraid that white supremacy is going to win. And the claim there is that um, the department is downplaying the role of white supremacists and also downplaying the threats to to the national election. How dangerous is it that we have federal departments that are you know, actively manipulating manipulating intelligence, but also manipulating information that is meant for the American people? Well, you say how dangerous is it? It's plenty dangerous, and we all know that it's very dangerous. This is very dangerous. We need to keep a somewhat calm demeanor and try to explain to people how dangerous it is. This is dangerous, and we need to have sort of a calm demeanor in explaining to people just how dangerous it is. Your question, how dangerous is it? Anybody who stops and think about that, no matter what their political... Oh. In our interview, we asked about another controversy contained in the last line of the book. It might disappoint some of your fans that you reach an editorial conclusion at the end of this book, something that reporters are not supposed to do. Yes. I say the president is the wrong man for the job. But you're known as the reporter who doesn't put his thumb on the scale. And yet, at the end of this book, you do just that. It's a conclusion based on evidence, overwhelming evidence, that he could not rise to the occasion with the virus and tell the truth. And one of the things that President Trump told me in the presidency, there's always dynamite behind the door. The real dynamite is President Trump. He is the dynamite. Doctors are bracing for an uptick around Henderson, Nevada, after President Trump insisted on holding a crowded rally indoors last night. Thousands of people packed together, most not wearing masks. The rally was an open defiance of a state ban on gatherings of more than 50 people. Dr. Jonathan Reiner, who we will hear from in a moment, calls the rally, quote, negligent homicide. Joining us now is the aforementioned CNN medical analyst, Dr. Jonathan Reiner. He's a professor of medicine at George Washington University and the cardiologist for former Vice President Dick Cheney. And Dr. Reiner, you call what the president did last night at this indoor rally with thousands of people, most if not many, not wearing masks. You call it negligent homicide. Why? Well, that's what you call the actions of somebody who, through their uh, negligence, causes the death of uh, other people. We're in a pandemic, and Clark County, Nevada, has a lot of virus. So with thousands of people, there, there is complete certainty that there are people in that crowd, probably asymptomatic carriers of the virus, who will spread the virus. And I would respectfully suggest to the president that if he, think it's, if he thinks it's safe to gather thousands of people in a pandemic without masks, then he should go down to the rope line and vigorously shake some hands at the end of the, at the, end of the event. If he thinks there's very little risk to his attendees, then he should have no problem shaking some hands at the end of the event. That's really interesting. You see that. Yeah, that's interesting, doctor, because um, what we did see was much of his staff wearing masks. And, you know, I mean, right. of course, the president took prophylactic hydroxychloroquine for two weeks. We know he's worried about catching coronavirus. But then these actions just fly in the face of what any, you know, considerate person would do for others. We heard last night at the event, the president 
essentially mocking Biden because he said that if his medical advisor suggested shutting down, he would shut down. The president mocked him for that. That's what the, a leader should do. That's what they're doing now in Israel when they're seeing a spike. They're shutting down again. That's a scientific response to, to a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, not to mention contact tracing that I suppose President Trump just right. didn't have the energy or know-how. Now, the, the whole purpose of disloyal was really to get people to open up their eyes and to see the individual for who he really is. And I'm not the only one that's suffering from what I, what I really call Trump derangement syndrome. And the whole 38% of this country is suffering from it. It's like being in, the, in a cult. You remember Jim Jones? It's the same hey, mindset. They're fucking twats. They're just twats, man. Cross the board fucking twats. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud podcast podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher down and pocket cast remember check out the twitter account at fop tony reed our next show will be 202020 september year of our lord 2020 till then disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yes keep your head on the swivel pray for our law enforcement it's only going to get worse and tune back in sunday for another show As always, we end with a stupid that is the Democratic Party. And you all take it. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. They go low, be kidding. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Mm-hmm. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution are are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that. 
on both levels that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a, is a, is a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you, know, nar- you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country. And Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.